This podcast is a production of the Johns Hopkins University Press. To learn more, please visit press.jhu.edu journals. Thank you for tuning in to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. My name is Brian Shea, and I'm the Public Relations and Advertising Coordinator in the Journals Division. 35 years ago, Deborah Dashmore published At Home in America, her groundbreaking look at how the children of immigrants blended elements of Jewish and American culture into a vibrant urban society. The most recent issue of American Jewish History took a look at the impact of Moore's book. Lila Corwin Berman and Tony Michaels, guest editors of the issue, joined us today to talk about the project. Thank you for joining me today, Lila and Tony. Uh, Tony, tell us, what was the impact of Deborah Dashmore's work 35 years ago when it came out? My understanding of its impact 35 years ago, uh, I wasn't quite around at that point. <laughs> I, I, I began graduate school, I should say, in the very early 90s. So the book was already out and uh, well-established as one of the major books in the field. You know, so as, as I encountered the book, it was one of the very early books in the field, what I mean is one of the first books on American Jewish history produced by a specialist in the field. There weren't that many of them yet. There were a few, and this was a landmark, not only because it was one of the earliest, but because it provided a way of understanding American Jewish history on its own terms. Early on in the development of the field of American Jewish history, there was a bias within Jewish studies Against studying the history of the Jews in the, in the United States, there was a view that was rarely articulated in print, but certainly expressed privately, that uh, the, the story of American Jews is a story of assimilation. Uh, the idea was that Jews came from Europe with a uh, you know, well-developed culture, and uh, they were, the immigrants were products of... Uh, an ancient civilization, but as they settled in the United States and made their way in American society, the immigrants, their children and grandchildren progressively assimilated into the larger culture and lost uh, all that was distinctive or, or much of what was distinctive in terms of their own Jewish um, heritage, culture, and identity, and so forth. And uh, but, but then when Deborah published At Home in America, she challenged that in its core by arguing that the children of immigrants, which she called second-generation Jews, which she had in mind here, were the children of Eastern European immigrants who came to the United States before World, World War I. Um, they did not assimilate, she argued, but developed a distinct brand of American Jewish ethnicity that drew from immigrant culture, but was intermixed with elements of what she called American middle-class culture and values and so forth to produce something that was both plainly American and Jewish at one and the same time. And so that really was a turning point. It was a landmark argument and, and uh, to make because, it, it, again, it, it, it turned on its head the notion that the history of American Jews is a history of assimilation. And what she was saying is the history of American Jews is one of creative reinvention. And now fast forward to closer to the present. And Lila, tell us how about this, how the special issue come about? How did uh, this come into focus as something for American Jewish history to take care of? Every other year, there's a conference that the American Jewish Historical Society 
hosts, um, often in different locations, and it's the Biennial Scholars Conference in American Jewish History. And in 2014, that conference happened to be at Emory in Atlanta, and the um, executive committee of the Academic Council was meeting, and I think talking about the journal of American Jewish History, um, and really that it provides an opportunity to open up all sorts of new and interesting conversations, and how can the journal really be a place where interesting and innovative and cutting-edge scholarship um, continues to be published. And as that discussion was happening, I think it must have occurred to someone in the room that actually Deborah's book was coming upon an important milestone anniversary. In fact, when I was first approached about um, working on this edition, I was told it was going to be the 25th anniversary, and for a while we were operating under that term, and we redid our math and realized it was 35. (laughs) But anyway... I think the sense had been that there had been a few other special issues really reflecting on a scholar's work and and looking at some very milestone kinds of books that had really opened up new conversations and then reflecting on where those conversations had gone over a kind of longer period of time. The one that came to mind immediately when this idea was floated to me was one that actually Tony wrote for about Irving Howe's World of Our Fathers, which came out, I think, in 2000. And so the idea was to um, assemble a group of scholars to reflect on Deborah's book, because as Tony just described, it was really a game changer in the field, not only in terms of introducing a new thesis, but also in terms of laying the ground for legitimacy, that American Jews were a subject worthy of study and of serious study not just celebration and not just communal triumphalism or communal sort of hue and cry or jeremiads and so we were asked i was i was approached and then you know quickly realized the task was going to be much more interesting and productive if i if i did the task with a colleague and tony immediately came to mind because of his work on new york city and on politics um and we were asked to do what we thought would be smart and interesting um, in terms of assembling a group of scholars to reflect on what Deborah's book meant to them in their own research. Um, and we played with a few different ideas for a while. You know, we thought about having folks who had been only her contemporaries, and we thought about having people from all sorts of different fields. And we came up with, I think, a sort of hybrid of lots of different generations and methods and disciplines. And Deborah had also pretty recently, I think in 2000. 13 written an essay called Sidewalk Histories in a book called Ethnic Historians in the Mainstream. And in her contribution to that book, she had really been pretty self-reflective about her experience coming to decide to study American Jews and how that interwove with her own personal narrative of, you know, growing up in New York City, the child of second generation Jews in New York City. And so we also approached her to kind of think about how she could contribute something to reflecting on on what writing the book meant to her um, and how she has seen it sort of contribute intellectually to the field. So that was really the genesis of it. And Lila, besides having to redo your math, what did you learn from putting this issue together? What kind of, you know, maybe a new perspective or just part of the editing process? Well, I'm not just saying this because Tony's on the line, but I really deeply enjoyed writing the introduction with him. And I think it's it's rare in the humanities to do a project together. We sometimes make conferences together 
and conference panels, but to actually do the work of writing together is not an experience that I've had had too often. And um, I really enjoyed the process, not only, you know, intellectually, okay, you know, how are we going to introduce this? How are we going to explain why this is relevant and important and um, sort of create the framework for the diversity of essays that we received? You know, but how are we going to write this in a way that says something to lots of different audiences? And in the process, we had some conversations. And I remember one in particular, when we talked about, you know, well, what have been the major historiographic kind of concerns or debates in the field of American Jewish history? And in fact, we came upon the notion that there aren't so many. And and why is that? And what does that mean to the field? And how has, you know, our generation, which really benefited so much from what Deborah and, and her cohort and her generation did, you know, how has our generation maybe in a position to introduce some tensions at this point and um you know why why might that be productive and so that was really a, you know one of the real pleasures of putting together the issue um i think in addition to that certainly working with the authors I and mean, we were really fortunate to have fabulous authors um who happily accepted the task of writing for this volume and, you know, it was really neat seeing some of them were writing very directly about their research. Some of them were really extrapolating from their research and doing more kind of thought pieces. It was really neat to be involved in the process as they were conceptualizing what they were doing. What did you learn, Tony? How did, how did you come out of this you know, with a better understanding of some things? Well, uh, I mean, one thing that sticks out, it, by the way, I, uh, I very much enjoyed collaborating with Lila, too. Uh, it, was, it was incredibly smooth. Lila, and so thank you for for just being a wonderful collaborator. The, one of the first, I, I think, the first thing that jumps out and or comes to my mind was uh, learning about Deborah's life. Actually, you know where where she had come from, her own intellectual evolution, and how her experiences before and during graduate school um, shaped the book. I didn't know all that. In fact, uh, and Lila played an important role in this because Lila had unearthed an article that, uh, that Deborah had written on Emil Durkheim. I had never, I didn't know of that article until uh, Lila found it and wrote about it as a way of actually setting up our introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that just contributed to my understanding of Deborah's work. So, so I learned biographically and how her biography shaped the book and her own intellectual development. So I, I learned a tremendous amount, actually. Lila, you've already touched on this a little bit, but the group of authors that you got in the introduction, you talked about you had some ease in finding the diversity of of generations and and subject areas that you wanted. Did that surprise you? Were you worried about how it was going to turn out? How did that process work? No, I don't think it was surprising, actually, because, you know, neither Tony nor I were directly Deborah's students. You know, Tony did his graduate work at Stanford, and I did mine at Yale. And while we were both in graduate school, Deborah didn't have her own graduate students. She was at Vassar College. Now, of course, at Michigan, she does have graduate students. But I think we would both say she was really one of our teachers. And so it, it wasn't surprising that folks of our kind of generation in graduate school, so, you know, the 90s and into the 2000s, would feel as if, you know, if they did, had done work on modern Jewish history having to do with urbanism, if they had done any work really on American Jewish history, you know, Deborah was really part of the conversation. She was always so generous about her time when it came to graduate students. And 
and you know reaching out to us including us in in projects that she was working on and so you know it wasn't surprising to me that that people sort of my cohort and Tony's cohort who who worked on subjects related would feel like not only would it be a pleasure to kind of celebrate her work like this but that in fact they'd learned a huge amount from her and her work it was really interesting to see folks who were of different generations you know who also had the same kinds of intellectual connections to her. I wouldn't say it was surprising, you know, but John Butler, who um, was at Yale for, for many years doing American religion and, you know, understands her work in a really different way, I think, from people who are American Jewish historians, um, you know, but spoke about it in relationship to his ideas about religion and secularism and urbanism and has clearly learned a lot about how to think about Jews in those contexts from her work, because Jews have really different ways of thinking about what religion means in the city than um, do different Christian denominations that he, you know, that he has more expertise in. And so, you know, I think he really willingly and excitedly responded to the task because it's been, she's been a teacher for him in terms of, of sort of navigating the understanding the American religious landscape. And I was also really pleased that folks who are not historians found ways to really connect to Deborah's work. And so um, we asked a woman who had written on small town Jews in Pennsylvania, and she's a sociologist. And I had no idea how much her work on small town Jews in Pennsylvania had really been directly a kind of response to Deborah's work. And, you know, so I think that it just speaks to the fact that really, as Tony said out at the beginning, this is a touchstone kind of book. Um, and, and much that came after it was really responding to it. And, you know, folks who now work on urban history, not specifically about Jews or metropolitan history, like Lily Geismer, who has a contribution, um, you know, th this is a book that they read and that has framed some of their thinking about, especially um, politics, I think, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of ethnic politics. Now, Tony, where, where do you hope this kind of goes for American Jewish scholarship, how this issue helps um, maybe newer, younger scholars discover Deborah's work? Or what do, you, what do you hope is the outcome of all this work? Well, in addition to a, uh, I hope readers, first and foremost, I hope readers will develop a, you know, a proper appreciation of the book and its importance. Beyond that, I hope that readers, readers will, will gain a, a, a deeper understanding of the history of the field, well, its intellectual evolution, and not just its intellectual evolution, all that goes into the development of a, of a field, biography of the participants, the institutional development of a field, and, and of course the intellectual aspect. And, and with that, greater knowledge of the evolution of the field, I hope what will come from it is a greater discussion about the conceptual and methodological underpinnings of the field. Uh, so, so people will ask more vigorously than before, where's the field come from? Where has it come from? What are the guiding themes and presuppositions? 
and arguments of the field and where's it going or where should it go go this isn't this isn't america the american jewish field is not known as a contentious field there haven't been major debates all in all you know there's some exceptions to this i think but but all in all in the field of jewish studies Certainly compared to many fields in U.S. history, it's not the most, as I say, contentious. There's a great advantage to that. You know, we're, we're a pretty congenial group. We're not at each other's throats. There's a lot of room, I think, to, for, for people to uh, explore in the field. But at the same time, you know, there are probably some issues that need more vigorous discussion and attention. And hopefully this will make some small contribution in that direction. Well, I think it, it was... There's an outstanding piece of scholarship that you two put together, and I, I hope it, it does uh, bring those things to fruition in the long term. And I want to thank you two for taking some time to talk to us about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. Please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals for more information.